Moran. Coming at you from New Jersey, the capital of misery and the place where metal forgot to die, this is Here Lies Metal, the podcast that brings you the origins, history, and culture of everything metal. Once again, I am your scribe to all things metal, Maledictus, and I'll be your overlord for today and all of eternity. Welcome. Before we begin, I've decided to do the news. These are a few news stories that the metal media at large has been covering this week. So if you haven't heard this already, get ready for the maledicted spin on these stories. Here we go. As we begin our news at Here Lies Metal, it usually involves someone dying, so this day is no different. So sadly, we must announce the death of Forbidden and Nevermore guitarist Tim Calvert. Now, if you were listening to us a few episodes for the West Coast Bay Area Thrash episode featuring a countdown of most important West Coast and Bay Area thrash bands, uh, Forbidden and Nevermore, I believe we're both mentioned in that in that particular podcast. So their guitar player, Tim Calvert, has passed away on Monday, April 30th at the age of 52. He, of course, is another victim, unfortunately, to the terrible disease of ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. He, of course, was praised by other famous Bay Area thrasher, Jeff Loomis, who is also in Nevermore. And um, rest in peace, Tim Calvert, great guitar player for Nevermore and Forbidden. Tim Calvert was also, after his career in music, um, like another great hero of metal, uh, like Bruce Dickinson, he was also a pilot, a commercial pilot, which was um, pretty cool. You know, guys... uh, Going from music to flying planes, that's pretty impressive, I've got to say. So rest in peace to the great Tim Calvert of Forbidden and Nevermore. In other news, we had mentioned this before, that Gibson Guitar was in trouble. They were um, in a heavy amount of debt, but it turns out the problem has gotten worse, and they are now in Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So basically, they cannot pay their debts at this time. Now, you might own a Gibson if you're a guitar player. Every guitar enthusiast seems to want to own a Gibson. I own a Gibson myself, Firebird 5. However, the guitars are not the reason they are in debt, even though they've made a few pretty poor decisions in guitar making recently, the Flying V. But it's actually because they decided to get into the consumer electronics business, making headphones and Things like that, Uh, various electronics, which they completely failed miserably at. So this is the reason why they're $500 million in debt and cannot pay this money and are in trouble. However, the guitar business really is not in trouble. So do not expect your SGs and Les Pauls and Flying Vs and Explorers and Firebirds to go away anytime soon. They should be fine. In addition to that, the Ephiphone line seems pretty safe every beginner guitar player that wants uh, a piece of garbage that looks like a Gibson is uh, always willing to spend a few hundred dollars on something that at least looks like a Gibson. So those things always sell. I mean, I feel sorry for people that have to own an F phone, but nevertheless, it starts you, you know, with a good looking guitar, I suppose. It doesn't sound very good, but nevertheless, there's they need something for everyone. So that brand, of course, is very popular. They're not having any trouble selling F phones. So ultimately, the company is going to liquidate its useless consumers 
electronics division and reorganize and get back into the guitar business. Get back and play one and win one for the home team, Gibson, all right? Get back to the guitars. You've been making shitty guitars, and hopefully they'll discontinue that horrific robot guitar. Yes, you ever hear about that? It's like a Les Paul that tunes itself. It's a disaster. They actually made a Firebird that does that as well, called the Firebird X Complete Disaster. I don't like technology and guitars together. Just make guitar. That's it. You plug it in, it plays. You know, make it with quality, and then we're fine. So, Gibson in bankruptcy. Next story. A ghost in ghost news. Hey, who out there? What do, what do you guys think about ghosts? Here lies metal at gmail.com. Do you hate them? Do you love them? But I'll tell you, the singer, vocalist, Tobias Forge, I realize, is a very talented individual. No matter what you think about Ghost's new music, it is pretty horrible. Um, he's been in the music industry for a long time, since early 2000s. And he, we actually found, we discovered um, he has a pop album called Subvision. You should listen to it. It's actually really good pop music. He writes very good pop music, I've got to say. It's not metal. He's not good at metal, but he's very good at music, like most Swedish people are. But anyway, let's talk about this Ghost story. Okay, so on April 30th, Ghost revealed that former singers... Uh, that would be Papa Emeritus 1s, 2s, and 3s from their previous three albums, of course. They would change this temporary costume frontman, which, of course, have gotten less scary as the albums went on. They seem to have more skin each album. That's that's all I have to say. The first one looked completely skeletal, and the one next one a little bit less, and this one totally has skin, and he wears a tuxedo. Anyway, the Emeritus line, the bloodline of Emeritus, is dead, according to Tobias Forge. But in a new interview with Tobias Forge, he explained why the Papa Emeritus lineage had come to an end, despite those three characters being immensely popular with the fans, and no fan particularly having a favorite one. So I'd say my favorite was the second one. Anyway, uh, Tobias Forge says, and I quote, in Tobias Forge's voice, I've always tried to make things hard for myself. Instead of just doing big, blunt commercial statements... I'm trying to do this in a more cinematic way, says Forge as the new Cardinal Copia. If we just continued with Papa to Papa to Papa to Papa to Papa, then it would grow very boring. That is a one-dimensional way of looking at this band. If I had done that, Ghost would have gone on autopilot and we would have grown stale very quickly. Well, I think you guys have uh, accomplished that in one way and another. But anyway, let's continue. Anyway, the new character they have introduced, Cardinal Copia, is already popular with the fans. He kind of has this Michael Jackson persona. He kind of dresses in that gangster outfit, you know, almost looks like a pimp. But, you know, he's got like Michael Jackson dance moves. Well, on the Rats video anyway, if you check it out, he actually pulls off these dance moves, which is probably his dance double. But nevertheless, Ghost will actually be displaying the three bodies, the three deceased bodies of the Emeritus lineage. Um, for you to view at their, I think it's at their concerts or some promotion they're doing. Nevertheless, you get to see them. So another promotional thing. These guys are promotional experts. They're sort of like the new Kiss, I suppose. They're, despite their obvious tongue-in-cheek um, pseudo-satanic themes. Let's move on. David Coverdale, that's right. Here I go again on my own. That guy. What, he's not metal? Well, you know, he was in Deep Purple Mark Three. so fuck y'all. It broke his heart that Richie Blackmore could not join his family bandmates in Deep Purple when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016. Blackmore had insisted that Deep Purple's current manager had blocked him from attending, but most people do not believe it. They were like, 
Basically, that's the same ploy he always pulls when he's asked to show up to some sort of event celebrating Deep Purple's music success. He always comes up with that, that someone blocked him. What is wrong with you, Richie Blackmore? Nevertheless, Blackmore was um, name-dropped by many people at the show, uh, particularly Lars Ulrich, who is a major Deep Purple fan. He was his first concert. It's like my first concert ever. So all hail Richie Blackmore. One day, maybe you will just um, give us what we want and come back to Deep Purple. I don't know. But he's doing Rainbow right now. He's doing some sort of incarnation of Rainbow, which I don't know if is very good. And he's also doing Blackmore's Night, who we are going to see um, next month. So that's basically medieval peasant music he does with his wife and a bunch of other people that play mandolins and recorders and flutes. Um, definitely not metal, but nevertheless, probably interesting. So, Richie Blackmore, one day you will come back. Let's move on. More metal profiling here. Native American brothers with metal shirts taken off college campus tour by police. I thought that like only happened in the 80s. Brothers Thomas Kane Wakaran Gray, 19, and Lloyd Sanawati Gray, 17, drove seven hours from Santa Cruz, New Mexico, tour the campus of Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And they were taken off the tour by cops because people thought they looked suspicious for wearing metal shirts. What metal shirts were they wearing? Well, these two brothers of the Mohawk tribe were wearing a cattle decapitation cattle decapitation and an archspire shirt. I think you're death metal. I think that qualifies as proper death metal. And when they embarked on the Krampus tour, uh, someone called the police on them because they definitely didn't look like they were on the tour because they had dark stuff on their shirts. Oh my God, we can't have that. So of course, they were of course pulled aside and pulled off the tour. They ended up missing the tour because they were pulled aside by the police and questioned. So they attempted to rejoin the tour and um, tour was over. So there you go. That's what that's what you get for wearing metal. I thought that was over, seriously. I thought that ended in like the 90s. I thought if you wore a metal shirt now, since it's cool to wear a metal shirt, there's so many hipsters doing that now. It's been normalized, but I guess maybe not in the middle of Colorado. I don't know. Either way, something good became of all this. And the band Cattle Decrapitation had posted the story on their Facebook and tagged the two brothers, offering them free guest pass spots for life to see Cattle Decrapitation. Ooh, that sounds wonderful. Anyway, it's stories like this that just confirm all those Man of War songs about how everyone's against metal, everyone's trying to stop us from playing metal. Well, it's, it's events like this that just confirm those suspicions of Man of War. So I wonder if Man of War has anything to say about this. Has anyone ever been persecuted for wearing a Man of War shirt? Probably. Anyway, that's the news. What do we have next? We have a concert review this week. Oh my God, we haven't had one of those in a while because we haven't you know, been to really any metal concerts in a while. So here we go. At the PlayStation Theater on May the 4th in New York City, Electric Wizard. That's right. You know Electric Wizard? Ultimate Doom Band. Been around since the early 90s. And uh, this is the first time I've ever got to see them. Obviously, they've been playing since that time. But this, after all this time, this is the first time I actually got to see Electric Wizard in such a capacity. And uh, I've got to say, um, they were not is uh, amazing as I expect. Of course, I expected this huge spectacle. Of course, there were a lot of people. I'd say the place was sold out and the PlayStation Theater is a pretty large place. But let's get on with this show. Uh, the show. It was a band called Cough. I believe they were from Richmond, Virginia that opened for Electric Wizard. And I really have something bad to say about Cough. I mean, yes, they're a doom band, but they seem to think they could 
you know, the heavier you are, the doomier you are. So here's what Cough did. They played a series of maybe only, yeah, they only got through about maybe six songs because their songs are all about 10 minutes long and they have about three chords played at about 30 beats per minute. And that's all of their song. Nothing interesting, nothing spectacular, no tempo changes, no really dynamic musical shifts. I don't know what they're saying. I can't understand what the guy is singing. He kind of sounds like Dixie Dave from Weed Eater. So he kind of has that ah kind of thing going on. And um, they're really loud. They were probably one of the heaviest bands I've witnessed, I've been in a room with. They had the heaviest, one of the heaviest live sounds I've ever heard. It literally vibrated the place. They had such low end. However, they were really loud and they had nothing to say. That's, that's all I got to say about cough. You were really loud and you've got, you're not saying anything. So moving on to Electric Wizard, um, they played a good mix of song. However, only one song from the new album. They really just kept it mixed up throughout their whole catalog. Well, nothing from the first album either because that's just a completely different sound. But anyway, you know, um, Wizard, Bloody Wizard. I think a lot of people are really crazy about that. Album. I myself, I listen to it. I'm not totally crazy about it. They really didn't, didn't play my favorite songs. They didn't play Turn Off Your Mind. They didn't play Barbarian. But, you know, they did play Witch Cult today. That's a good album. That's a good album. It's a good song. You know, they're not, um, I got to tell you one thing about Electric Wizard. They're not people. They're not, um, they're not people people. I think uh, Jess Orborn said about maybe two things into the mic that wasn't singing. He was just like, oh, it's hot in here. And he said some other shit. And that was it for, you know, an hour and a half of playing. He said like, hey, New York City. I can't really imagine him doing that, but you know, he could say something evil or say, fuck you or something. He didn't say that. He was just focused on his music. He, he does not seem to enjoy the company of people very much, or maybe that's just his act. I don't know. Uh, as, as in the front row, I was in the press pit, of course, taking pictures for my publication, monkeygoosemag.com. And as we were waiting, as we were preparing to shoot, it was a kid, like a really nerdy kid in the front row. And he was like, he had a Wawa pedal. He brought like a cryberry Wawa pedal with him. And he and believe it or not, as I was waiting there, uh, the actual members of Electric Wizard come out and set up their own stuff. They're not; they're certainly not rock stars. And I think this venue was probably pretty large for what they're used to. So, just came out and he was setting up his uh, pedal board there. His the few pedals he has. He's a very simple rig. He actually uses a Boss Fuzz, so that's how he gets that sound. If you're wondering, uh, one of those old silver Boss pedals. And as he was setting up, a kid screamed out to him. He's like, hey, Just, can you sign my wah wah pedal? And Just kind of looked at him and said something. I don't know what he said. He kind of mumbled something. He was like, you know, he's probably like, fuck off, you know. And, uh, you know, when he went back in, I'm thinking, and I told him, I'm like, hey, kid, maybe he'll like sign it when he comes back out. I don't know. Well, I mean, when they finished the show. But I don't know if Just ever signed the pedal for him. I doubt it. It doesn't, didn't seem like a very outgoing guy. Doesn't mean he's not friendly. Maybe he's just extremely shy. I don't know. But anyway, it was great to see Electric Wizard. We're writing an article for Monkey Goose Mag on Electric Wizard, so that should be interesting. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him again. Hopefully, they do a more interesting set. You know, they were a little loose. They weren't, you know, in super tight form. They actually only played maybe about four or five, maybe five or six shows in America. They started at Levitation in Austin. Uh, I think they played San Francisco. They played Portland, maybe somewhere else. And they played New York, and that was it. And they went back home. So they don't seem to come to America too often. And when they do, they don't stay here very long. They mostly tour around Europe, so it'd be cool if they really came a lot, around a lot more. But anyway, Electric Wizard at the PlayStation Theater in New York City on May 4th. You know, pretty good show. You know, if they're in a town near you, probably in Europe, if you're listening from Europe, check them out. Oh, and before we move on, um, there was a sighting, and I had posted this on the 
um, Here Lies Metal um, Facebook site before. But there was a sighting by our in-the-field correspondent or friend of mine that went to the show, me, Richard, of the doom metal Larry David. Now, of course, I like I said, I posted an article because other people obviously have seen this guy before. Uh, I know I've seen him at multiple venues in the New York area. Basically, he's a guy that looks exactly like Larry David. He usually wears a sleep shirt. And he's usually, you know, got a, got like a, you know, he's usually smoking weed. And uh, yeah, he looks exactly like Larry David. And he had, he's an, an middle-aged, middle to elderly-aged man who seems to love doom metal shows. He seems to be at these shows alone. And I tell you, he is a doppelganger. He is a dead ringer for Larry David. Uh, Richard, of course, got a good picture of him. Proof of sighting. So we'll be looking out for this guy. If you know the identity of this man, please... Here at metal at gmail.com. Tell me who this guy is. I don't know if you, if you are that guy and you're listening. Hey, tell us about yourself. We want to know. I'm sure there's people out there that do know. You know, I'm just probably in the dark about this guy. I'm sure he's been around for a while. People are probably like, oh, yeah, that's Jimmy. He, uh, he doesn't look like Larry David. What are you talking about? Maybe you really are Larry David. Who knows? So anyway, let's continue. Uh, we'd also finally, we'd also like to give a shout out to a new friend of the podcast, Melinda in Texas. She found us, I believe, through Instagram. So that's great that we're finding fans all over this great nation and people that love metal just as much as we did. So thank you for subscribing, Melinda from Texas. You are a true warrior of metal. All right, so let's move on with the podcast. And of course, the subject of episode 14 is stoner metal. So we travel into the void for the history and evolution of stoner metal and rock. Here we go. This week, on the Here Lies Metal podcast, we embark on a journey from the arid deserts of Southern California, over the black rainbows and through the voids to the furthest reaches of space and time. Our spaceship shall be fueled by the sacred flower that we consume by fire, and the sounds which will consume our disembodied souls. Tonight, we will expand our consciousness beyond the limits of our daily predictable and mundane existence and forget our insignificant earthly responsibilities and begin to remember our place in the universe. Where we are going, time moves in any direction, sideways as well, and space is infinite. We shall ultimately find ourselves suspended in the universe, motionless, at true zero. As the celestial bodies move on without us, along with our insignificant earthly obligations, tonight we blaze the endless time warp, where we'll hear the reverberating sounds of an alternate and parallel dimension of metal. Accessible by this blackened void, we travel. Tonight we blaze the endless time warp, where we'll hear the reverberating sounds of an alternate and parallel dimension of metal accessible by this black and void we travel. Welcome to the Stone Zone. This is the history and evolution of stoner metal and rock. What is stoner rock and metal? And why is it different from doom metal? It's obviously that we could trace the roots of stoner rock and metal to the later 60s psychedelic bands. It is the inspiration of the trippy drug-fueled lyrics of these bands that inspired the stoner culture 
rather than the heavy riffage which would come later. Doom and Stoner share their roots indeed, however. Stoner Metal follows a parallel evolutionary course to Doom, and we'll find out on our playlist how, tr how true Stoner Rock all but vanished from the underground scene throughout the later 70s and early to mid 80s, where its parallel counterpart, Doom, flourished, especially in the new wave of British heavy metal era throughout the 80s. The main difference of the two mostly has to do with lyrical themes more than riffage. Naturally, Doom would gravitate toward darker lyrics about occult, Satan, demons, and especially witches. Where Stoner might explore more gentle topics, such as time travel, space, the desert, and obviously acid or weed. Of course, there are bands that have taken both paths simultaneously, as most people like both weed and Satan. These are called hybrid bands, and their stoner versus doom ratio can be determined by a balance scale. For example, a band like Candlemass would be 100% doom. There is no stoner in their music. A band like Monster Magnet would be 100% stoner. An example of a hybrid band, Sleep, for example, would rate about 60 stoner, 40 doom. You get it. Anyway, let's get on with this lengthy playlist. Welcome to Stoner Rock. This song is called Earthquake by the 13th Floor Elevators, featuring a guy we've probably mentioned here before a few times, Rocky Erickson, who would go on to have a very successful solo project influencing bands from all walks of music. Of course, 13 Floor Elevators are from Austin, Texas. They were formed by Rocky Erickson. And this is a perfect example of 1960s psychedelic music that had probably one of the first influences on stoner rock and metal as we have it today. Now, you might hear a weird sound in the background of any 13th Floor Elevator songs, and that is the famous Jug, pioneered by Tommy Hall, who very well might have come up with the term psychedelic rock. Uh, basically, they took a jug and put a microphone inside it and used some strange mouth vocal technique where he would sing the lyrics into this thing and and voila there you go a, a, a psychedelic sound that hasn't really been recreated since this song of course is from their easter everywhere album released in 1967 probably their most iconic record and most recognized and successful record a record that really is a pure cross-section of the 13th floor elevator's sound the band effectively called it quits in 1969 due to Erickson's arrest for having three joints and elected to be put in a mental hospital instead of jail. That's what happens in Texas if you got found with joints back then. Anyway, Rocky Erickson did a lot of acid, went crazy, and went to a mental institution, but we'll talk more about him later. This song is called Abyssabar from Pink Floyd. Now, usually on the Here Lies Metal podcast, we don't usually include really big popular bands in these playlists, but for stoner metal and rock, there's a lot of mainstream influences, I have to admit, and Pink Floyd is one of the most important influences. This is from the Moore album, 
Now this wasn't was more than just a regular Pink Floyd album, but it was a movie soundtrack for um, I believe a Dutch movie by the name of More, some crazy artsy film. However, this was the soundtrack for it. And this album features, I think, two of Pink Floyd's most heaviest songs, Abyssal Bar and, and the Nile song, which are two pretty heavy stoner-influencing songs. I might say, now this is their first album actually without Sid Barrett. And this album, of course, was released in 1969. And it took a really different turn without the um, insane influence of Sid Barrett. But... You have David Gilmore on vocals here, who always, I think, had a very heavy voice, especially back then. And of course, an amazing guitar style. I think he's really dominating this song. In Pink Floyd's following work, they would go on to experiment with tape machines and synths, really when it was ahead of its time for a lot of bands. Not bad for a band that actually isn't a prog rock band. So Pink Floyd with Abyssabar. Next, we have the obvious member, the obvious choice on this playlist. This, of course, is Black Sabbath from the Master of Reality album, Into the Void. But many Black Sabbath songs from the first four albums, they have the tendency to be overplayed. And I think we're going to do a podcast simply on overplayed Black Sabbath songs. And this, this rates, I don't know if this song rates in the top 10 of overplayed songs, though. So I guess it's okay. Anyway. The Master of Reality album for Black Sabbath was a good example of an album that had heavy influence on more of Stoner than Doom. Of course, Black Sabbath, all Stoner and Doom could trace back to Black Sabbath. Obviously, most of metal can trace back to Black Sabbath, most likely. Of course, Master of Reality might be a focal point where Stoner and Doom actually split. Maybe this is the first actual indication of stoner music officially as metal i wonder this album has more of a stoner theme for black sabbath whereas maybe the first and second album really were a little more doom friendly nevertheless there's no doubt about it that black sabbath really changed the course of music for every metal band to come no matter what subgenre of metal now you're probably wondering why i didn't pick sweetly for this choice because i hate that fucking song that's why it's one of the most overplayed songs ever Anyway, this album didn't only influence pretty much all of metal and stoner and doom, it also influenced a bunch of bands' names like Orchard and Master of Reality. A lot of bands actually took their name from this stupid album. Anyway, Black Sabbath with Into the Void. This next band is Captain Beyond. They are uh, a band from America and England, uh, formed in Los Angeles actually, not as British as they sound. Of course, you might know them by their singer, Rod Evans, who was a member of Deep Purple Mark I. And I have to say, my least favorite singer of Deep Purple. I really don't like Deep Purple's first three albums, Mark I. My favorite is Mark II and Mark III even more. Nobody beats David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes on vocals. Fuck you all. Now, essentially, Captain Beyond might be considered a supergroup since it features Rod Evans. It also features Bobby Caldwell of Johnny Winter and... Larry Rhino Reinhardt and Lee Dorman of Iron Butterfly. And that's a pretty prolific psychedelic band that we didn't include on this playlist. But anyway, this song is called Raging River of Fear from their self-titled debut album, Captain Beyond. Captain Beyond is 
probably the most brightest influence, I would say, of stoner rock, especially. Not There's no doom metal coming from Captain Beyond. I rate Captain Beyond 100% stoner and one of the first incarnations post-Sabbath of real stoner rock and leading to stoner metal. There are many bands today that sound a lot like Captain Beyond. Either way, Captain Beyond still plays today as a bunch of very old men featuring the only original member, uh, Bobby Codwell. Very interesting. So once again, this is Raging River of Fear from the legendary Captain Beyond. This, of course, is a band we've mentioned many times before. It's been on many of our playlists. It is Hawkwind. However, it is Hawkwind when they had Lemmy Kilmeister singing for them. That's right. He did. He was in the band for quite a while. He was eventually thrown out of the band. Uh, I believe they just left him in a hotel room in Detroit. That's how Hawkwind would get rid of it. They would just leave you in a hotel room without any money. They would take all your stuff. and be like, all right, you're on your own somewhere in America. So anyway, this was probably Hawkwind's most famous song. It actually charted... Anyway, do you hear that sound? That's space. Hawkwind is from outer space. There's no doubt about it. We're not sure where they came from or where they went, but anyway. In- interesting fact about this song, it was actually written by other vocalist Rob Calvert. He was sort of like the punk rock influence in Hawkwind. And he originally recorded it, but it was um, considered too weak and they had Lemmy do it. And therefore it became... Hawkwind's only real hit, and because of its popularity, it was covered by nearly 20 different artists, including the Sex Pistols, Discharge, and even William Shatner. I've got to hear that one. Anyway, if we're going to give Hawkwind, if we're going to put Hawkwind through the Doom Stoner ratio, I would say they are about... 80 stoner, 20 doom. They definitely have some sort of doom influence, but believe it or not, Hawkwind still plays to this day, featuring Dave Brock, founding member and vocalist Dave Brock, still on vocals to this day. Again, this is Silver Machine by that legendary band from outer space, Hawkwind. Keeping to that spacey theme, here we have Space Truckin' by one of the most legendary rock bands ever to exist, Deep Purple. One of the biggest riff machines ever to exist. Riffs which I might add most people play wrong, but nevertheless. I don't know how you get a more stoner theme than this. This is, of course, is my more favorite, Deep Purple Mark II, featuring Ian Gillen on vocals. Of course, the core members like Richie Blackmore and John Lord. And not to forget Ian Pace. Roger Glover on bass, who is in the band now, of course. That really, Deep Purple would always change its mark numbers when the singer and bass player would go, the three core members of Ian Pace, John Lord, and Richie Blackmore were always steady for the most part. Anyway, this song is pretty spacey, almost like a Hawkwind song, but these guys are definitely from Earth. They definitely have earthy bounds. They're not completely from the cosmos. Most of their tracks were very well grounded. Interesting fact about Deep Purple is that sound, that really distorted sound is not really Richie Blackmore's guitar, but it's a combination of Blackmore's guitar and John Lord's distorted Hammond organ, which really gave Deep Purple their real Mark II sound, the sound that everyone recognizes them for, especially featured on Smoke on the Water, another song that everyone plays wrong. Spade Shrugging, of course, is from the Machine Head album. And this is probably Deep Purple's most famous album as it features other famous songs such as Highway Star, 
and of course smoke on the water making it you know their top charting album what this next song is by a band called blue oyster cult and they are from long island new york they were formed in the late 60s however they would go on to pioneer the stoner sound mostly not in their music but in their themes their lyrical themes as they were never really a heavy band however they always had a very unique sound and a unique writing style this song of course is called dominance and submission and is from their secret treaties album probably their first real stoner album i might say and might be their first and pretty much last stoner album but the songs after this the albums after this sort of went into a more pop direction in fact, some of the songs started to sound like the Cars in the late 70s because that's what was cool and Blue Oyster Cult or a bunch of old men that wanted to be relevant. That's what happens. But let's focus on the good stuff. Let's focus on their stoner roots. And this song is part of their stoner roots. Blue Oyster Cult was formed by and is still fronted by Donald Buck Dharma and Eric Bloom. He is the operator, of course, of the mysterious stun guitar. We're not sure what that is yet, but he knows. Now, besides what the Here Lies Metal podcast thinks about Bloister Cult, it is recognized by the entire music world that Bloister Cult is an absolutely legitimate example of early stoner rock, probably one of the most important examples. Anyway, once again, this is Dominant Submission from the legendary Blue Oyster Cult. This next song is from a guy who was founder of the of, of the first band on this playlist. That was the 13th Floor Elevators. This, of course, is the famous Rocky Erickson and his solo project after he was released from a mental home. There is actually a special on Netflix called You'll, You're Gonna Miss Me. Actually, it might not be on Netflix anymore. However, it tells the entire, entire sad story of Rocky Erickson and what he went through and how he came back. But he is really kind of a walking mental patient, even to this day. I mean, I think he's heavily medicated, but I would think he's a schizophrenic. And that's what explains these amazing lyrics. I think you need to be schizophrenic to actually write stuff like this because his songs are completely batshit crazy. They're mostly about horror themes, which he was a big fan of. He loved horror and sci-fi movies, and that's all he would sing about, really. I mean, 13th for Elevators really just, I don't know what those songs, they were just about, like, psychedelic things, psychedelic matters. Whereas Rocky Came Back is kind of a doom metal thing. Either way, either way this, these songs are so spacey and strange that there is no doubt that they are a major influence on stoner. Of, of course, they're probably an equal influence on doom metal as well. Recently, there's been a major resurgence in Rocky Erickson's popularity. He's actually touring again. And so many bands are covering his songs recently. Like every band who's anyone is covering a Rocky Erickson song. Anyway, once again, Rocky Erickson with Sputnik. Ah, finally, it's the 1980s, and the 80s will be very sparse with stoner metal. Now, there's plenty of doom metal in the 80s, and that really started with a new wave of British heavy metal era. That spawned a lot of bands, and then we continued with bands like St. Vitus and Trouble. But anyway, this song is called Freedom, and it's from The Obsessed. It's one of The Obsessed's earlier songs. The Obsessed didn't really release a true album until like the early 90s, I think. However, they had a lot of stuff from the late 70s on throughout the 80s up to the 90s and today. Now, like I said before, this song was actually recorded in 1995 and released in 1990 and recently reissued. But this track gives the obsessed total 80s stoner credibility. 
The song is called Freedom. And there's no doubt about it that The Obsessed uh, is far more of a stoner band than, say, Vi uh, Wino's other band, St. Vitus, which Wino actually just sang for. However, I, I would give um, St. Vitus some 80s stoner credit as well. They're mostly Doom, but maybe they have about 30% stoner in them, 30% on the ratio, so they're worth a mention. But we're talking about The Obsessed here. And the Obsessed would really qualify with an 80-20 stoner to doom ratio. They're more of the good time side of Scott Wino's many projects. A very versatile guitarist indeed. Doom, stoner, punk, metal, he's got it all. And when the fuck do the vocals begin in this song? The intro is like three minutes long. That's one thing you could do back then. You can have a song with like an intro that was like 10 minutes long before you get to the vocal. You cannot do that anymore. No one will put up with that anymore. They want vocals now and no one's patient anymore. Anyway, they essentially took the Obsessed out 10 years to finally release their albums. Well worth the wait, however. What a great band. And of course, Wino was probably in St. Vitus throughout most of that, so he keeps himself busy. So, Freedom from the Obsessed. And he's still not singing yet. This is an unusual edition. I mean, I know I said there was a lot of big bands on this, but there were there were large popular bands that you would expect to be on a stoner influencing playlist. However, this is Soundgarden. Now, Soundgarden, that where they're they're one of those other bands that don't belong near us. This track, of course, is from Soundgarden's second album with a similar name to the song Louder Than Love this song being Loud Love, but I think Soundgarden had a very important influence on stoner rock and metal. As with the grunge scene, the grunge scene was really just sort of a commercialized version of stoner rock and metal, you could say. It was really the just publicly accessible version of it. But there is a big influence from the Seattle scene in stoner metal, and Soundgarden is a perfect example of that. And a lot of the first real stoner bands would come from that scene, and you'll see that soon. However, this song, of course, as we know, the great Chris Cornell tragically died last year. So we do not have Soundgarden anymore, but there is no question about their influence on stoner rock and metal. Soundgarden, of course, would move on to really power the grunge scene of the early 90s. Of course, they predated all of that and really were one of the major players in that scene, along with Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all that other stuff. But once again, this is Loud Love from Soundgarden. This is Fu Manchu with Blow Torch. And this album was released in 1989. Not an actual full-length album, but an EP by the name of Kept Between the Trees. It was a 7-inch released in 1989 and featured a couple of short songs by Fu Manchu. Now, I think it's undebatable that Fu Manchu invented that stoner California sound and before Caius. I mean, I think Caius really holds the title of having the face of stoner rock in California. However, Fu Manchu predates them. Fu Manchu, I would say, and the Melvins really pioneered this sound as we know it today. And this, of course, is one of the earliest real examples of that really heavy California stoner sound. Fu Manchu, of course, is still releasing albums today. They just came out with a new album and have really 
been non-stop from this point on and would even the band is a brainchild of lead guitarist and vocal Scott Hale who has is the only original member of the band since their 1985 start as a hardcore band actually but anyway Blowtorch by Fu Manchu This, of course, is one of the most important bands in, well, all of music, I think. This is the Melvins with Boris from technically their fourth release, Bullhead. The Melvins, of course, have been pioneering this sound since the early to mid-80s, so they really get a lot of credit in this formation of stoner and doom metal as well. But I would consider them more of a stoner. I would consider them really too complicated to even classify as anything because they're such a sophisticated band that has such an important influence on music in general. There really isn't enough time to tell you all about the Melvins. However, I just saw the Melvins this Friday and we'll do that concert review next time. Any and every time the Melvins play anywhere, it gets immediately sold out. They are a legendary band, surely the most important band on this playlist without a doubt. You might recognize the title of the song, it's um, Boris, and of course the band Boris took their name, Japanese experimental noise band Boris took their name from this song as they are major Melvins fans, why wouldn't they be? The Melvins actually got their start in the Seattle scene and actually drummer Dale Crover, legendary drummer Dale Crover, actually began his career playing for Nirvana before David Grohl. You could really give Melvins credit for combining the punk sound with the Black Sabbath sound and therefore shaping all music, all future music to come from that point on. Melvins, of course, have gone through many lineup changes around uh, core members, Buzz Osborne and Dale Crover. Uh, they've gotten number of different bass players, including Shirley Temple's daughter. Um, yeah, very colorful lineup. So currently they're touring with two bass players, Jeff Pincus of the Butthole Surfers, as well as Steve McDonald from Off. We could probably do an entire episode on the Melvins. Melvins with Boris from the Bullhead album. Listen to that guitar. You recognize that fuzz. It goes right to your brain. And it, it vibrates that section of your brain that remembers when you were high and it triggers it. That's the magic of Matt Pike's guitar sound with sleep. When he plays it high and fire, it's completely different. It just kind of just fries your brain. Anyway, this, of course, is Sleep with self-titled from the album Holy Mountain. This, of course, is Holy Mountain. There is no doubt about it that Sleep is a quintessential example of California stoner metal and that entire sound. Now, Sleep, of course, they were, of course, featured in our Doom Metal episode, and they could really be a hybridized band. Of course, they don't really sing about witches or demons or satanic stuff. They sing about space and drugs and drugs in space and doing drugs in space and occasional pterodactyls and dinosaurs and just abstract things and occasionally just higher powers, higher spiritual existences. I don't know. Weird stuff that I just don't understand. Anyway. Sleeve, of course, is treated as this legendary band these days. No one really cared about them back then when they were making their songs, but they just released a new album after about 20 years since their last album. And, of course, every hipster in the world worships these guys. Nevertheless, they are a great band. This is Sleep with the legendary Holy Mountain. Next, we have... 
the song starts very slowly. There's some sort of strange sound going on there. Anyway, I don't know what that is. That sounds suggestive. This from New Jersey, the place where metal forgot to die, the capital of misery. It is Monster Magnet from Red Bank, New Jersey. Stoner Rock from New Jersey. Now, if you listen to this song, this song is called Dinosaur Vacuum, by the way. And what does that sound like? That sounds a lot like Hawkwind. It almost sounds like the song Magnu. Pretty cool um, homage to Hawkwind, I must say. If you're going to be a um, legitimate stoner meddler, a enthusiast of stoner metal, then uh, Hawkwind is uh, the first place to look, I would think, for any band. So these guys are just uh, doing that well. I like what they're doing here. I never really liked Monster Magnet, but I think this, uh, they're doing a pretty good job with this song. Monster Magnet, of course, was formed in 1989 by Dave Windorf, who is still in the band. He might be the only original member at this point. However, they are still making albums and still touring. In fact, two of the members are also members of a band that's also going to be on this playlist later on called the Atomic, Atomic Bitchwax, which is also from New Jersey, Stoner Rock from New Jersey. However, Monster Magnet just released an album in 2018 called Mindfucker, Straight Up. And uh, they're still going strong. So Monster Magnet with Dinosaur Vacuum. Next band is, of course, the face of stoner metal. I probably said about every band so far, but this, of course, is Caius. And no band has influenced the future of stoner metal more than Caius from this point on, from the early 90s on. This song, of course, is called Asteroid. And Caius, of course, is a very deserty band. They seem to always sing about the Southern California deserts where they come from and about space as well and drugs. And they're the perfect stoner band, really. Probably about 80 to 90% stoner. A little bit of doom gets to be in there. However, Caius would be the foundation of the very famous Queens of the Stone Age, which I didn't put on this list because there simply wasn't enough room. Uh, responsible for Brant Bjork and his solo project, his excellent solo project. Um, John Garcia's many projects, including Vista Chino, and of course, Nick Oliveri's many projects. So this band would break into four different parts, like Voltron being kicked in the face by a row beast. You remember when that would happen? He would like break into four lions, or is there five lions? I don't know, doesn't matter. Anyway, the four members of this band would go on to, of course, influence stoner metal in their own ways. Maybe we can call them the Beatles of stoner metal. I don't know, that might offend some people. There's no doubt about it that Caius leaves a very long-going legacy, and there really isn't enough time in this song to cover the entire story of Caius, because they just have such an important role in the stoner metal world. Caius, of course, would be a short-lived band breaking up in 1996, however, fragmenting into four different very unique sounds that would shape stoner music for the future to come. Caius with Astro. This next band was once said by a friend I took to his show as the whitest thing he's ever seen. And um, that's not far from the truth. Of course, this is a guy that listens to Metallica all day. So, But nevertheless, um, this is The Soulmakers by Clutch. And Clutch is a very different sound, I would say, than most stoner bands. They have that very bluesy kind of backwoods sound to them. They, of course, are from the DC area. Uh, they're one of those bands that are from that scene. But 
I would give them 100% stoner credibility. And they probably flirt with other kinds of music as well. Of course, they're very bluesy. But I think um, Clutch attracts a very specific kind of stoner. You know, the kind of guy that uh, wears cargo shorts and sci-fi shirts and has a beard. That kind of guy. You know the guy. They also like to dance at Clutch shows. I've been to a lot of Clutch shows and there's a lot of dancing going on. A lot of white people dancing. It's kind of fun to watch. Anyway, Clutch formed in the early 1990s and has the same members since then. It's now 2018 and Clutch has the exact same members. So it's a very stable lineup of very um, musicians that have a great connection with each other. Gotta give them that. Another interesting fact about Clutch is they were so fed up with their record labels that they simply formed their own. So you gotta give them credit for that as well. Very ambitious. So this is Clutch with the Soap Makers. Next we have Acid King with Electric Machine from the Bus Woods album. Of course, Acid King is from the San Francisco area, led by the great Lori S. She does not give a fuck. She plays her guitar. We went to see Acid King at St. Vitus maybe last year, a few months ago. Truly an amazing performance with an amazing sound. And there is really nothing like that fuzzed out heavy ass fucking guitar of Lori S. It's unmistakable. It's got that frequency that activates that high reflex in your brain as well. They just got it. They know what it is. Hey, did you know Lori S. used to be married to Dale Corver and he sang on their first album? Interesting fact. Of course, I think Acid King is named after the famous Ricky Kelso, who we've got to do a podcast on. We touched upon him briefly in the Satanic Panic episode, but I think he deserves his own episode because he is a famous killer in metal history. He's a part of metal history. I think we can get a whole show on him. Either way, uh, guitarist and singer Laurie S. and drummer Joey Osborne are have been in this band since the beginning, and it's really their band. They've rotated many bass players along their long career since the early 90s. Seems like most of Ask Kids songs are about drugs and motorcycles, which is really all you need in life, right? This is a perfect stoner band. I would give these guys probably 90% stoner over 10% doom. They don't really sing about anything evil. And they don't sound too scary, so they're mostly stoner. Acid King with Electric Machine. This next song is called Solarisphere from a band called Orange Goblin. They were formed in the mid-90s. They actually came along with um, the whole Rise Above scene with Electric Wizard splitting a single with them in the mid-90s when they came out. However... Orange Goblin really represents a perfect stoner sound of the 1990s and to today, as they are still making albums to this day. Solarisphere is, of course, from their second album, Time Traveling Blues. And what more of a better stoner theme than time travel and space and blues all together? Perfect, really. Orange Goblin is one of those few bands that has had a stable lineup since their beginning. No member changes at all. The Wikipedia page is quite stable. There's not one of those graphs on the bottom of the page that you see with some bands that have like 50 million rotating members. They're pretty stable. If we were to put Orange Goblin on the Stoner Doom scale, I would give them perhaps 80 versus 20. They still have that slight Doom sound, but very spacey kind of Doom. They're always in space, along with many other Stoner bands. They They just decided to live in space. Orange Goblin, of course, is from London, England. They are from the other side of the pond. 
rather than the California theme. Anyway, once again, this is Solaris Fear from Orange Goblin. This next band is called Nebula, and they are from America. They are actually made up of former members, Eddie Glass and Ruben Romano from Fu Manchu. They departed with in 1997 and formed Nebula. As you know, as you can see throughout the entire 90s, from the grunge era on, stoner music is just exploding and it has no signs of dropping. Basically, in the wake of the destruction of hair metal and thrash metal, stoner had a pretty easy time coming up because it's what people wanted. It simplified the sound. It brought it back to a simpler time in rock and roll before super long, aggressive solos. You know, there's a lot of solos, but they're really kept down to the bare bones, the bare fundamentals of blues music. The rise of stoner was really a reaction, just like music usually is. However, it's a reaction that hasn't really gone away, which is interesting. Anyway, this song is titled Atomic Ritual from an album of the same title. And this is a fine example of the early 2000s sound of stoner rock and metal. And of course, it's not too much different from the 90s sound of stoner rock and metal. It really hasn't changed terribly much. It's never gone away and it's still going strong today. Unfortunately, we can't say the same thing about Nebula as they went on an indefinite hiatus in 2010. However, there is no shortage of stoner bands around to fill that void. Nebula. This next band is from Sweden. Like many retro sounding metal bands these days, and of course we're gonna do an episode on that. Swedish retro rock. Cause I feel like some of the best music is coming out of Sweden and has been so for the past probably 20 years, I would say. It's only getting more popular now. They just have something about their sound, something about their philosophy and making music just works well. And most of it isn't even really metal. A lot of it is really rock. I mean, whether it's doom rock or stoner rock, they figured something out there. We've got to get to the bottom of it. Ever since ABBA, I'm telling you, just catchy music. And this band, the Truck Fighters, they were, um, they are um, this century. They're a band from this century. And this is just a pretty catchy song. They just, they're doing it right. You've got that desert sound going on here. This track, of course, is titled Desert Cruiser from their debut album, Gravity X, released in 2005. Like I said, they are a they are a band of the new century. However, unfortunately, this band also recently decided to go on hiatus in 2018. Maybe it's the end of Stoner Rock as we know. All these bands are starting to just call it quits. I wonder. Either way, the truck fighters have kept the set the stoner sound alive for the past 15 years. Think of the truck fighters as a retro stoner rock band capturing the 90s stoner sound of Fu Manchu and Caius. Truck fighters with Desert Cruiser. This next band might innocently be named after a useful garden tool designed to remove those nasty weeds in your garden. Nevertheless, this band is called Weed Eater, and this track is called... That's right. That's all you need to know about this track. Wizard Fight. How stoner is that? These guys are pretty heavy for a stoner band. However, they don't really sing about satanic things. They mostly sing about, you know, wizard fights and weed. So, I mean, they're called Weed Eater. So, anyway, this band is fronted by the famous Dixie Dave Collins. You might have heard of him before. He is the founding member of the old um, sludge band, you might say, Buzz Oven. 
He is also a former member of the other weed-associated band, Bongzilla. Go figure. Weed Eater can be considered um, part of the southern sludge scene, you might say. I mean, stoner nonetheless. Rather than sludge doom, it's sludge stoner. Of course, sludge is sort of like a different path of the entire heavy music thing. It could both go stoner and sludge and doom itself, now candid. However, it just has a little bit of a groove to it as opposed to the English town. Either way, this is Weed Eater with Wizard Fight. Danger, danger, supergroup alert, supergroup alert. This supergroup is featuring uh, different members of different stoner and doom bands, featuring Al Cisneros on bass and vocals, Wino on guitar, Scott Kelly on guitar, and Dale Crover on drums. What do we have here? We have a fucking supergroup. Now, this band is called Shrine Builder, of course. This track is called Pyramid on the Moon, kind of like that conspiracy photo. Anyway, pretty cool concept, I might say. Now, I imagine Shrine Builder was uh, an idea of the ramblings and religious mumbo-jumbo of Al Cisneros from Sleep. In fact, this band did not make another album because basically Scott Wino did not want to work with Al Cisneros. I could just imagine those two interacting with it. I mean, this is Wino. I mean, you all know Wino and... Of course, the mysterious Alice's scenarios. This guy just seems to never talk. I don't really ever. He just kind of gives you that I'm better than you kind of stare. I don't know. But either way, Wino knows better. And Wino is too cool for this fucking band. That's what the truth is. As for Dale Crover, he obviously has better things to do. Otherwise, the Shrine Builder album is a pretty decent album with very stonery themes. I would give this band the stoner ratio of probably 90 to 10, I might say. It's full of space, it's full of shrines, it's full of drugs, all the things we need, all the institutions we need to make stoner metal. Anyway, once again, Shrine Builder with Pyramids on the Moon. Naturally, there's going to be a stoner band from Portland, Oregon, because they just have to do everything cool over there. However, these guys are not a bunch of young hipsters. They're actually a bunch of really old dudes that decided to do this. Um, they've been around probably since 2009, so, Looks like, by the looks of them, they kind of started this at a later age, which I can relate to. I can I can get behind that red fang. Anyway, this song is called Dirt Wizard, and it's from their second album released in 2011, Murder the Mountains. Red Fang seems to be a band of four dudes, four bro dudes from Portland, Oregon that seems to get along well. Really more friends than a band. They have this, they've had the same lineup since the beginning. I always respect that in a band. Any band that just really is doing it as friends rather than a a band. That was a good thing. Red Fang qualifies as 100% stoner metal. They are a bunch of dudes that like to have fun. They have a very loose sort of sense of humor with their music. There's nothing serious going on. They're a bunch of guys having a great time, which like I said, I could totally respect these guys for doing what they do, even though they're from a place where it's obligatory to have a stoner or doom band if you play an instrument, Portland, Oregon. Either way, this is Dirt Wizard by Red Fang. Do you know where the other place for Metal Forgot to Die is? It's Greece. And this band is 1,000 mods. And they have what the Greeks call Thrasos. And they are a perfect example of the many Doom and Stoner bands coming out of Greece. There's so much metal coming out of Greece right now. It really is the place for metal not only forgot to die, but wants to keep on living and living hard. 
as possible. This, of course, is their title track off their 2014 release, Vultures. And their name, 1000 Mods, is basically a pun um, linked to the village. They were formed in a village, people. That's pretty fucking Greek. And uh, it means um, a thousand is pronounced Chila in Greek. And they are from a town called Chilomodi. So 1000 Mods, that's what that basically means. And they call themselves 1000 Mods. I was wondering what the hell that meant. Nevertheless, they are a pretty strong stoner band. Giving them 90 stoner, 10 doom. Pretty stoner. They've been around for a short time. They started in 2011. So they are a fairly newer band to the scene, which is great. Like I said, stoner rock just keeps on going, especially in Greece. A lot of stoner bands, particularly from Greece, because they are just lighting it up over there. So once again, this is 1000 mods with vultures. Foveros. This next band is called the Atomic Bitchwax, and they are from New Jersey, the place where metal forgot to die. They're very close to, of course, to Monster Magnet. In fact, this band seems to have many interchangeable members with Monster Magnet. I believe, I believe a few of the members of this band eventually joined Monster Magnet, so they're kind of just an interchangeable band. They're sort of a Central Jersey stoner institution. This track is titled Coming In Hot and it can be found on their 2015 Gravitron album. And instead of going for that all out, like super heavy tuned down, destructive sound like sleep, these guys go for more of a retro sound. They remind me a lot of Captain Beyond. I feel like they're really getting the sound, that bluesy sort of rock sound of spacey sound of, of Captain Beyond. I can hear a lot of that in the sound of Atomic, Atomic Bitchwax. Uh, according to Wikipedia, they started as a jam band playing local bars in New Jersey. These are the type of bands I absolutely despise. So I'm glad they came out of that and turned into a real band and stopped um, terrorizing people with jams because I hate jams. If you're a ba jam band, stop it now. Essentially, these guys are a bunch of really old guys that made it after like 20 years of playing. Not bad. I gotta give them credit. Once again, this is Atomic Bitchbacks with Coming In Hot. This next band is called Karma Shaburn, and they are a power trio from West Virginia. And they are also the only three people in West Virginia, so it's not that bad of a state. Now, like most of their strange cryptic songs, they all have numbers. This song in particular is called 23. By the way, all of their songs are instrumentals, by the way, so you don't have to worry about lyrics. This is from the album Arch Stanton. You know who Arch Stanton is? He was the guy on the grave in The Good, Bad, and the Ugly where the gold was supposed to be buried. Arch Stanton's your name, Arch Stanton. Remember that? Anyway, this song is called 23. However, all the other songs on this album are called 50-something. They're all in the 50s, which is weird. So there's some sort of strange, cryptic enigma going on here. We are not smart enough to figure it out at Here Lies Metal. Herelivesmetal at gmail.com. Tell us what it means. Anyway, Karma Brown looks like it's gone through more lineup changes for a three-piece band. I think it at one point had no original members and then reformed with its original members. It has something to do with these strange cryptic numbers in their songs. We'll figure it out. Karma to Burn with number 23. This is Cadaver. They are from Deutschland. 
They were formed in 2010. They are a good example of a revisionist rock band. There's plenty of those in Sweden, but Germany has a few as well. And these guys are bringing back the psychedelic sound from an elder age and are doing it well. Um, this is, of course, from their Berlin album. It's their last album. So they have a new album out now. And uh, it's actually a lot heavier, a lot doomier. Either way, this song is titled Last Living Dinosaur from the Berlin album. And according to this, what I'm reading here, they get that sound by hard panning all the instruments. This is really interesting because I want to try this technique by making the bass all the way to the left and the guitar all the way to the right and the drums slightly to the right and the vocals through the middle. So it's like they're really playing live almost. Despite their unique sound and their great songs, you've got to see their beards. I know you like their beards. Just look at them. They're a power trio. And um, they have award-winning beards down to their knees. Amazing. Like I was talking about, they released a new album before. It's called Rough Times. And it really takes a far heavier sound than this more of a stoner sound. So definitely worth checking out. I was thoroughly impressed by it. Anyway, this is... Once again, Last Living Dinosaur by Kadava. Ich mag den Stoner Metal, yeah. Okay. This next band is called Black Rainbows and they are from Italia. Yes, even metal from Italy. And just another heavy psych band from Italy, just like um, Blackland. This is Black Rainbow. And as you might have noticed by now, stoner rock is coming from all over the world at this point far from the arid deserts of California, straight from the ancient ruins of the Roman Forum, Black Rainbow, with Supernova and Asteroids. And all the information I could find on these guys, they don't even have a Wikipedia page. They have an Encyclopedia Italian page. And when you have a Encyclopedia Italian page and not a Wikipedia page, it means, you know, you're in the sub-basement, man. And that is where the music comes from. This band, of course, if I have to put them on the stoner to doom ratio, I am going to give them pretty much like 95% stoner, 5% doom, not much doom going on here. They are keeping it in outer space. They are keeping it in the realm of heavy psych. These guys had a previous album by the title of Hawk Dope, and you can all imagine where that reference is from. Anyway, once again, this is Black Rainbows with Supernova and Asteroids, and that is, of course, is going to wrap up this evolutionary playlist on stoner rock and metal thank you once again for listening i hope you found it very educational and informative that is the goal of heroize metal but now let us return to our earthly bounds from this timeless journey in space as we reluctantly fall back to our earthly bounds as we Come down down from our voyage, drifting drifting further further away away from the event horizon where cosmic harmony harmony lies beyond. We land land safely back in our our office office chairs with our gadgets, gadgets, obligations, obligations, numeric values, all intact. intact. Our journey journey to the far reaches of space still reverberates within our minds behind a luminescent fog. Yet the music we discovered there cannot be erased by our daily mundane existence of family, bills, and jobs. And this exists on both sides of our consciousness in order to keep our spiritual resonance in sync with the cosmic order. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This has been the evolution and history 
of stoner rock and metal. I am Maledictus, your scribe to all things metal, your host and overlord for all of eternity. Let's roll the credits. This playlist and all of my playlists that I do for the podcast can be found on Spotify under Stephen Principato. Yes, that might be Maledictus' real name. So check them out. Each and every time we do a playlist episode, it will be available on Spotify. For this particular episode, we're also going to have an overflow playlist because there's way too many songs to put on. So I just want to give you an entire extra playlist of stoner rock songs that we could not fit on this particular playlist. And that'll probably happen every time. Anyway, be sure to follow us on social media, including Twitter at Here Lies Metal, Facebook at Here Lies Metal, Instagram at Metal Lies Here. And give us a shout out on Gmail, herelivesmetal at gmail.com. Tell us stuff. Tell us how you feel about these playlists. Tell us how you feel about the show. Do you like us? Do you hate us? Be sure to subscribe to Here Lives Metal on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And how do we get on to Spotify? There's podcasts on there. We have to get on there somehow. By the way, don't forget to rate us. Even if you hate us, if this podcast sucks, only you have the power to destroy it. So give us some feedback. Tell us how much you hate metal or how much you love metal, how much you love Nickelback and how you hate us. doesn't matter. Anyway, it's my passion to bring you, the listener, these tales of metal. However, if you'd like to support the show, your donations are highly appreciated. You can find me, patreon.com forward slash here lies metal. You can give us a dollar, give us $10, give us $12, give us $100, give us a million dollars. It doesn't matter help the podcast out because that's what everyone does i mean they just people just get money now it's amazing this never used to happen when i was young but might as well take advantage of it i can't say no to it anyway we have a show we have a show this week another show we're going to see apparently we're going to see the melvins in brooklyn um it's a sold out show but somehow their pr people got me in i don't know how we'll see it when i'll believe it when i'm in there shooting the melvins now, I've shot the Melvins before. They are really hard to shoot. They don't believe in light. However, the music is always great, and they have a fanatical audience, as I've said before. So, I will see you in the next episode of the Here Lies Metal podcast. What will we do next time? We'll do another playlist next time. We're going to start the arbitrary playlist. Right now, we're doing, you know, genres of, you know, that exist. They're not necessarily genres I made up or just, or just concocted. Um, just for, uh, you know, entertainment value. And these are, of course, all the, the playlists I've done so far are all real recognized genres of metal or subgenres. And so we have to just make kind of randomized genres. Uh, I don't know what we'll do next, but there's so many I've, I've thought of and really got to start doing because I think they'll be a lot more fun than these um, semi-factual shows I give you. So either way, let's... Uh, call this quits this podcast has been too long anyway this podcast has taken way too long to make we have to figure out a way to make these things quicker and easier of course the um the entire world of stoner metal is very complex far more complex than i ever imagined it would be i think it was far more complex to compile this than the doom metal episode i think i just knew a lot more about doom metal in general whereas stoner metal is a little foggy you know what i mean no, no pun intended anyway so thank you for listening to the here lies metal podcast check us out and um all that stuff we'll see you next time goodbye